0: another episode of the refocus nutrition podcast this week we have on a very special guest travis zipper travis is a uh, nutrition coach and he's also uh he's he's a hormone specialist with the nutritional coaching institute uh created by jason phillips he's also a nutrition coach within nci or within uh in three sorry um and Travis is someone that I connected with and met last year at my level one working uh, with the NCI just because you know he was delivering everything when it came to the hormone Uh, the hormone talk we talked about testosterone we talked about estrogen cortisol um, basically every hormone that you could possibly imagine under the sun Um, And He goes into that during this episode just kind of talking about you know some of the ways we can balance our hormones, how to know when our hormones are a little bit out of whack um, and what can put them there to begin with and how to kind of clean up our lives so that we can regulate our hormones naturally without having to take um, any exogenous hormones or any massive supplements that are going to be really life-changing. So this is going to be one you want to definitely you know sit down Grab a pen and paper, um, take some notes because what Travis drops is not necessarily um, thought provoking as it is, like, you know, really trying to detail and apply it to your own life um, and how that impacts it. So, if you have any questions, guys, reach out to me, reach out to Travis. You'll get answers um, on any of the problems that you might be feeling. Um, and as always, guys, share this episode with as many people as you can because, you know, this is one particularly that if you're struggling with some hormonal problems, you can get help. You can figure out a way that we can figure out a solution so that you're feeling good, uh, recovering good, and performing and looking the way that you want in the future. Because a lot of times, as Travis uh, alludes to, one of the things that's holding us back is just hormones, right? So um, keep that in mind and um, enjoy the show this week. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. And we're back guys with Travis Zipper. Travis is someone I met last year uh, when I was attending uh, my NCI certification with Jason Phillips. Uh, Travis is their hormone specialist. Um, But without going too far down the rabbit hole of who Travis is, I'd like to let him kind of tell the story because I think one of the things that drew me to Travis right away, and and I know I approached him that weekend to talk about it, was the fact that he kind of has an unconventional uh, path within the industry and getting into nutrition, hormones, gut health, all that kind of thing um, and even his educational background is a little bit different than most um, being that he took a lot of the courses through uh, the the clinics that he used to work with. Um, so Travis, welcome to the show and um, just to start off with, yeah, how does a guy who's got a degree in computer engineering end up in in uh, in a background of nutrition, hormones, gut health, all those kinds of things?
1: Well, I would say it's Someone who played football that went to college right out of high school, not knowing what he wanted to do and chasing something that would be a good job that would produce income. Uh, and, you know, being 18 years old. Fortunately, you know, I, I think college is a great time for people to learn. Uh, I wish I would have been a little bit more focused and, and put it towards something that would have saved me uh, some time as the years have gone on. But it's really like, I don't know, what 18-year-old really knows what they want to do in their life? (laughs) Uh, I I definitely didn't. It took me many years of uh, chasing the mighty dollar and really finding, you know, what made me happy. And, you know, as my claim to fame, what makes me sleep uh, like a baby
0: at night. And kind of going from there. So when it comes to that, like, how did you find that? How did you find that nutrition, uh, fitness in general kind of spoke to you and made you happy? Was it like, were you a a regular gym rat as being, you know, being involved in football, as you mentioned, or how did you get into that?
1: Um, I mean, I was always someone who worked out. I was always that, that, that muscular kid in high school. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the gym. Uh, And, you know, when I went to play football, uh, it went from something that I loved to, the love being sucked out of it, uh, by attempting to play division one football, you know, I pretty much just got the, you know, the crap beat out of me, uh, for the, for the reason of saying I was still playing football. So eventually, you know, I left, uh, I only played two years of football. I transferred to Arizona state because I was like, ah, I don't want to be in the cold anymore. I'd rather be in the sun. Uh, I love that, that vitamin D and you know, the, the females in the West coast, they, they wear a little clothes, and it was, it was a lot better as well. Um, <laughs> But, you know, after I graduated, I obviously didn't want or I I knew I didn't want to work in in engineering. I just, uh, you know, I I couldn't fathom like sitting behind a desk and writing, you know, creating software and hardware. And I probably should have known this because I was the type of kid growing up where I couldn't even find the stud in the wall to hang a picture. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it was like, I'm maybe not an engineer. And I, I did have to work for it quite a bit in college. And you know, my dad, he's an engineer. He was bu- taking apart bikes and building cars and he just thinks very methodical and that's just not me. Uh, so maybe I should have listened myself, but you know, it took me years of, uh, I moved to end up moving to Las Vegas and got a job, you know, being as a, a bartender in the nightclubs. And, you know, if you know anything about, you know, wages in, in Vegas and nightclubs and things like that, they make a lot of money and it's a cash so I was making a lot of money in a scene where you know I was the the, the important person, and I got to work at these cool places, and had, had girls all over the place, and there was always a party, and it was great when I was you know in my early 20s. Uh, eventually, I transitioned to running you know doors and running hosts, where there was more responsibility and more stress. There came more money, but that stress was like man, did you know, you sometimes didn't know if you're going to have a job the next day because it was all performance-based. And there was a million people that were ready to take your, your spot. Um, and a lot of times things would happen where, you know, people would drink or someone would get in trouble or there would be drugs or, um, you know, like, you know, it's, it's Vegas nightclubs or be hookers or something like that. And, and someone would have to take the fall for it. So it was very, very regular that, you know, people in higher positions lost their jobs. No, uh, it just took me one time, you know, of, of making a lot of money. And I, I tell people it's a, uh, there was a time where there was a whole summer I was getting on private jets and going across the world with uh, customers and people would look at that and say, wow, that, that sounds awesome. And it was anything but awesome. Just picture having to listen to people jaw on about themselves, how much money they need, what they do and, you know, how much their watches cost. For you know, entire week periods because you kind of have to go. It's kind of like ironic saying, "Listen, going on you know exotic vacations and you hate them." But that's kind of what my life turned into, and um, you know, I was just chasing money, and that's not where you know there was. It wasn't rewarding, and I remember just you know just hating my my life in in a in a sense. And even though you know I had more money than I knew what to do with, so it was finally just one day. I remember just getting yelled at by a boss. And I was like, I'm out of here. I quit. I quit it all. Um, left my houses, everything. I moved to California. I became a social worker for a home care company making uh, I believe it was 12 bucks an hour. So I go from making, uh, I'm not going you know, to, I'm not someone that talks about dollar amounts, but it was just say it was a, it was a good amount, uh, to making nothing. And I had a good amount of money saved. Um, and I just started, you know, going back on the sales route of, uh, and selling caregivers to home care companies and hospices and things like that. And it was one day, you know, and this is my, this is my story. This is my why or my, my kind of aha moment is that I walked into a house just checking on a, um, a patient and she was borderline hospice, almost, almost on her deathbed. And I'd only been seeing her for maybe a couple months, but I'd see her once a week. And I walked in and the caregiver was actually abusing her, like hitting her. Um, I remember like he had her hand, like was pulling her hair and was whacking her in the face and, and she, she could barely talk. And, uh, she's just a sweet little old lady and, um, I lost it and I didn't like, you know, kick the crap out of the guy or anything like that. Uh, but let's just say he didn't never worked in the industry again. And when she, you know, it was the next week when I came back to check on her again and you know, she said, thank you and all this stuff like that. And, and, um, that had been happening for a little bit. She didn't want to say anything, but that was the worst. And then after that, she told me that over the past two months, that the 15 minutes that I would come and spend with her was the best 15 minutes of her week. That no one else did. No one else came to see her. She was all by herself. And uh, kind of, you know, brought some tears in my eyes. You know, I tried to like suck it back. And I remember it was that night that I went to bed. And I realized that, you know, I don't want to chase money ever. I want that feeling all the time. That was my kind of like, I called it a you know, come to Jesus moments where I was like, I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I can to help people. Um, and that's put, that put me on the path of
0: where I am today. And I still have that, that story that I fall back on. And that's a a crazy story. That's the first time I've heard. it. I don't think I heard it at at the level one, uh, when we first met, how did you, so I I understand that you kind of started, um, and I could be wrong in terms of your start, but I think you started, uh, weight loss clinics, uh, working there. So how did you get into that realm? And what was your background getting there?
1: Well, when I, when I couldn't make it in California, making 12 bucks an hour, uh, I eventually said, okay, I guess I got to go back to uh, Las Vegas. So when I went back to Las Vegas, I got, um, hired as a nutrition coach, um, who was more of a, like a sales coach, actually, I was selling medical weight loss programs, HCG diets, phenamine and, uh, uh, stimulants and things that curb your appetite, all kind of quick fixes or pills. And that was my intro into the nutrition realm. And at that clinic, which was, it was an age management clinic, um, and a medical weight loss clinic that, and a, uh, like an internal medicine. So there's one side that was seeing like sick people and one side that was seeing diet and, uh, anti-aging hormones. And I worked under five or six doctors and, um, you know, it was just something that I, I took off with. I started, you know, being really good at it and helping people and, I was still at that time selling pills for the most part. That's how I made my money. But I was the one that was coaching them on the nutrition side of things. And my education, I was always, I always, you know, loved things. I was always reading. And um, it got to a point where the doctors, you know, they, they would start sending me for nutrition, continued education. And they, they found out that because I wasn't a doctor, I couldn't use the, the, the CEUs. So what happens is they started taking the CEUs, and instead of them going to um, the the continuing education, they would send me, and I would come back and brief them on it, and I would kind of just, you know, they would fill out the, uh, you know, the attendance forms and do little questions, and they would get the credit for it, and I would go. So, think five doctors. I think it was like thirty or forty hours they needed of continuing education each year. Uh, I got to go to a lot of different classes and it was all hormones and nutrition. And this kind of like wet my my mouth for everything that was, you know, nutrition and, and, you know, hormonally related. And I was there for about almost four or five years where that that continued. And so I got a lot of uh, uh, knowledge base that I was able to come back and help the clinic implement a lot of different things. And I was, I brought like a peptide usage and I kind of changed a, a lot of things that they did and, and opened their eyes about, you know, the nutrition side of things and it, it was awesome and it, it, it got
0: me going. So what were your, some like some of your biggest learnings um, with clients from the hormone side of things um, with clients and also yourself? Cause I know you, you started to, or maybe you were just before that you started into CrossFit and were competing competitively in CrossFit. I think you were on uh, max efforts across the team if I remember correctly, but you went to regionals a couple of times. So tell me about how you, uh, what you learned from a, a hormone perspective initially uh, on yourself, but also within uh, some of the people you were working with initially.
1: Well, it started off that uh, I, I got peaked in, into hormones because I, I would be working with people at the clinic and they would have a, a, a fantastic diet and they would be spot on with the nutrition, and they would be diligent, and and they would be exercising properly. Uh, I wasn't too in in tune with the the stress side of things back then. Uh, But everything appeared to be okay, but they could just not get the pounds off. They could not get their body to look the way they wanted to. So I started to open up people's charts and start to read labs um, at that and have the doctors explain to me, you know, what's this, what's that? And that's what kind of got my mouth wet about hormones. And I started with male testosterone and uh, growth hormone because that's primarily what they were prescribing and seeing how and how people would come in and uh, they would have very, very low levels and they would go on testosterone and all of a sudden their, uh, their body fat levels would go down, their muscle mass would go up, their you know, uh, quality of life scores would go up, sex drive would go up. And I was like, oh, this is great. Um, so if anyone comes in with low levels, they, they, they could probably benefit from it. And that's the, the, anti-aging model, you know, here, this is how they make money. If someone comes in with low levels, we give you testosterone and we fix it. You know, little did I know a little bit down the road that it's not the end all be all. It is a tool that can be used. So that got me going with, with the male hormone side of things. And, um, during this whole time when I was there, as soon as I moved back to, um, Las Vegas, I got into CrossFit, uh, and I'm always a very competitive person. I like to compete against other people and I like the, the, the vibe of it. And I remember, I always laugh. And I remember the first day I walked into, uh, max effort and guys were working off their shirts off and I'm like, you can work out without your shirt on. And they're like, yeah, you're sweating. I'm like, "Sign me up. You know what I mean? Uh, that was my claim to fame. And, um, I got into it and, uh, it, it started off. It was in the first year. I was in the first year. I think I started in like January, and by next year, I'd qualified uh, as an individual when they still had a, a pool of uh, 48. And then the year after that, uh, for the next three or four years, I was on a on a team. So I was always competing for the next year, um, and kind of running myself in in into the ground in the in the same respect. It was pretty much work and and CrossFit. That was my life for about three or four year period. And, uh, it, it took some, took some tolls. And like, I learned a little bit on myself hormonally, uh, it was probably about the, the sec, third year, I think after regionals, when, um, I went against everything that I, I knew I should have and I didn't recover. And I went into, you know, uh, like running high and having, you know, PRs all the time and continued to progress to hitting a wall and, and having, some pretty bad adrenal problems because of it that I had to, you know, essentially coach myself out of Um, that really didn't go away until I quit CrossFit altogether.
0: Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. What kind of adrenal issues did you see within yourself? And I, I, I mean, that's one thing that Jason stresses a lot is that, you know, part of what makes the people that work within your company, really good coaches is that they're, kind of fucked up like they've they've done some things that they probably shouldn't have um, so they can help clients uh, do the things that they shouldn't be doing or, or correct some of the problems they're having so yeah what did you learn I guess uh, hormonally about yourself through CrossFit when you you talk about going uh, probably just overtraining and over stressing yourself um I just learned that it's it you
1: have to listen to your body and if there's one thing that was always going on when I was CrossFitting was I was always in pain uh, I was always hurting something. Uh, it took me 45 minutes to warm up. I was at the gym three and a half, four hours at a time, uh, warming up, cooling down. I was getting adjusted every week. I was going in for massages. And I was soaking in, in Epsom salt baths. Like The amount of preventative care I was having to go through to make me function uh, or to keep me at the level I was, was you know, astronomical when I think about it compared to what I have to do now. And it was me chasing, you know, uh, you know chasing the white rabbit, uh, always wanting to, to go above and beyond. Uh, and it put me in a hole. And I know it knew it put me in a hole because I, I just, I went from, you know, you know, my strength automatically, everything dropped 30, 40 pounds. All my PRs dropped. Uh, everything hurt way more often. I was, every time an injury would heal, I would get another one. Uh, digestion was a mess. And the biggest one, the hardest thing is that I could fall asleep at, at, within five seconds at any point in the day. I just had no, uh, no energy whatsoever. And I was at a point where I was doing testing or at that point, it was almost when I was just starting becoming a, um, what's called a functional diagnostic practitioner. It's, It's a certification that goes through a lot of diagnostic testing. And, um, I was the Guinea pig. So I got all you know the gamut of 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 reports that you can get done from gut to intestinal permeability to adrenals to hormones, and everything came back and I was a disaster. I remember the uh, the mentor that I worked with at that point told me she was like, "This is the the third lowest cortisol output that I've ever seen ever." Um, You're supposed to be over a 23. I was at like I think like a four or five. Like I I would have been referred to. Uh, endocrinologist to check for Addison's disease, um, if I would have had any more symptoms. So I knew I I I was, I was in the crapper, so to speak. And, um, you know, I I had I took a full month off of CrossFit and just went to bodybuilding. And that was very, very hard for me. um, Because this was also just around, I think this was around November. So like, you know, come December, like, the opens two months away, I, I should have been preparing and I was trying to heal at the, the worst time and I came back and I was able to, you know, fight through it for, for a year and continue it felt a little better. Cause I was on, you know, supplements and a protocol and got my levels up, but I still wasn't right. And it literally took me until, you know, to finally just give up CrossFit and almost probably a six month to a year after that fact for me to feel normal and for my body to just not hurt.
0: Yeah. I mean that. Like, I think there's probably a ton of people that are experiencing that, but that's like a, it's a pretty crazy story. Cause like a part of what makes people who are good at CrossFit good is they can, you know, they're, they're willing to push themselves through pain. And part of that is also, you know, being able to distinguish whether that's whether that's pain or whether you're going through some like real adrenal issues or just injuries in general, how much do you see that in, in your clientele today uh, within CrossFitters or, or or just in, in, in going to different, um, seminars as well, because it seems like, um, in some aspects, CrossFit has people have become more knowledgeable about the the stress of overtraining and, and the intensity that we, you know, you don't always have to go 120%, but at the same time, it just might be a, a more flooded market. So there could be more overtraining than, than I'm even seeing. Um, so like when I first
1: started, all of my client base were high-end athletes. Um, all people that wanted to make it to regionals, all people that were willing to do whatever they they could. And that market has, has definitely fallen off. I just don't see that around anymore uh, because there's been such a clear line that's been drawn between people being athletes in the CrossFit realm and right. people going and doing CrossFit. Uh, it's like a clear uh, line in the sand has been drawn where you, it's just you know, it's a full-time job to even chase attempting to be a regional athlete, uh, now, especially even with the, the new CrossFit changes. So I honestly, I don't really have that many CrossFit people anymore. I've gravitated way more towards, uh, more broken, uh, people. And honestly, what I will see more of these days in terms of metabolically adapted and, you know, just broken people are females going through bikini, um, prep, uh, shows that, doing a show, going through a coach, losing a bunch of weight and then gaining it all back and them just never restoring their metabolic flexibility. Um, so
0: tell me a little bit about that. So I, I know, I obviously know some, some aspects of that and why, one, why is it more common in females than males? And, and two, you know, what are some of the metabolic adaptations that, you know, the general person isn't even aware of? Like, obviously, you know, women missing periods, all that kind of stuff that happens through a prep, uh, getting ready for stage
1: so oh, and in in a, a prep for for females and guys it's going to be a little different um they're, they're both hard on, on on both sexes but the female's hormonal profile uh is just less um uh let's say flexible where they have monthly fluctuations uh that have hormonal swings so any kind of severe stressors will will turn the body you know uh on its end, because think about it that you know, females give birth, they, you know, produce life that grows inside of them. And when the, the body's not in an optimal state, it's going to shut down all of those reproductive hormones as the body. You know, I always think about that. Let's say I, I refrain to it as the the fight or flight response back in the day when we were running away from tigers or bears as you know, When the body is running away from a tiger or a bear, what is it not thinking about doing? It's not thinking about digesting food. It's not thinking about having sex. It's not thinking about reproducing. So all of those things are put on the back burner. And if they're done for a long enough period of time as what can happen in preps without the you know, proper way to reintroduce food back at a safe level is you keep a person in that you know, slowed down state. Uh and you know the reasons why it happens are, you know, uh a couple fold, meaning that prep diets are very low in fiber, uh, resistant starches, things that feed the gut bacteria, so that definitely affects the immune system. Uh the stressors of low calories, low nutrient foods, overexercising will slow down or prevent uh menses and ovulation. So that will uh prevent hormones from being produced. And then there's just the mental side of re- removing yourself from social aspects that involve, you know, fun and laughing because it usually always involves food. So those are the three biggest areas of why like prep diets can be so hard where CrossFit diets, you know, CrossFitters aren't seeing all that. They're not inducing themselves to that much stress over such a short period of time. Uh, or let's just say, I think a lot of them aren't doing that anymore because as you said, the education level of, of them has improved. Uh, people know that if you don't take a break or if you, you work too hard, you don't feed yourself that you're going to get run down and it's going to make the situation way worse.
0: Yeah. I think that's one of the things you kind of hit it off this, the top too is like under eating. I think a lot of people don't really perceive that as the stressor that it actually is. Like there's plenty of clients that I get and, and you've obviously seen this in your aspect as well that are eating, you know, 11, 12, 13 or 1400 calories a day um, and exercising, you know, seven, eight hours a week. And just like, they're obviously just jogging in place, right? Like they're not getting any of the results they're looking for. I'm yeah. going to back up a little bit. You mentioned uh, one of the first things, the ho- first hormones you got into kind of in depth when you got into was testosterone. Um, and one of the things that interested me last year when I was at the course, and I've done, I've done reading about it since was that testosterone has, has like, been dropping dramatically for years um so one why is it um why is it has been dropping Is there a single reason or is it a multitude of reasons and yeah tell us a little bit about how that uh, that that drop or that decline has affected uh men of men and women of today because it's obviously not just a male hormone and it's somewhere almost like around a thousand
1: point drop in male, t- total testosterone from when they first started testing it to, I believe in like, like 2013, I, I believe the study that, that I quote, and there are a lot of reasons as to why it could be, but you have to look at what's changed over that period of time in the, in the past 80 years. Um, you have to look at stress. Now there is so much more stress. Uh, people are need to be accessed 24 hours a day. Um, there's constant stimulation from 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 light to phones to social media. There are 80,000 plus toxins or chemicals in in the environment now that are produced freely that have never been tested on uh, human beings or been tested when they combine with other things. So the toxicity level of people are, are has have increased substantially the amount of poor quality foods that we eat now that are nutrient-lacking the amount of omega-3 fats that we get in our diets uh, nutrients the the list can necessarily go on and on but you got to look at it and I would say it's stress food and its toxicity uh, are the reasons that have decreased uh, testosterone production and when you look at a lot of the toxicity what is it? What is being produced in the environment? A lot of them are what's called xenoestrogens. Things like BPA, you know, soy products, uh, plastics, phthalates. These are things that mimic estrogen in the body. And when there's too much estrogen, there's going to be, you know, an imbalance between that and testosterone. And over longer periods of time, it just it kind of just shut the body down. That's my thought on it. There's quite a bit of study and data um, that's linking, um, external toxins to hormonal disruption to cortisol uh some of it look at some some doctors look at it as voodoo
0: but i think you can't argue with the facts as you know what's changed um and go from there right for sure and then one of the things you mentioned was food and stress right and i'm interested to see your or hear your thoughts on the idea um, of more like obviously over the last 80 years as you mentioned there's been a ton more like factory farming like you know you're not getting for most part you're not getting if you're going to a regular grocery store getting beef that's been free range um grass fed grass finished chickens that are free range, all that kind of stuff. Does the elevated um, cortisol in, in environment that they're living in before they're being put on our plate, does that make an impact on our hormone levels as well? Yeah. Have you ever heard of the phrase, happy cows make happy cheese? <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, that kind of sums it up. And, you know, animals that are not in, a, in uh, a happy environment, meaning, you know, not access to real food or not access to sunshine, not access to all the things that that human uh, that that creatures should have access to, or how they have evolved, is going to affect the quality of uh, of the meat and the food. And you know, look at the difference between, uh, you know, if you've ever fried up a burger that's grass-fed meat versus a burger that's grain-fed. You know, you look at the pan after you you fry up a a, a grain-fed cow burger and there's tons of slop and grease in the pan when you look at it for the grass fed burger there's nothing. So where is that coming from? Okay? They could be having the exact same routine but one's just eating grass and one's eating grains. So there goes there's a lot that could be said with regards to what type of foods the animals that we're eating eat. Um you know, think about the idea of, you know, fish you uh, know, larger, long, uh, larger mouth fish, they consume heavy metals in the ocean, and then when we eat the fish, we consume heavy metals. It's the same thing. It's toxicity that's in the meat that we're getting, and a majority of time that meat though is is in the fat, uh, not necessarily so much in the muscle. So you know, we are a big phrase of, you know, you definitely are, you are what you eat, and you are what you eat, or you're, how do how you say is that You are what
0: uh, you are eating eight last week (laughs) absolutely so one of the things as a nutrition coach that I've found interesting um, is just the self evolution I've gone through with with nutrition I first got into nutrition you know in a lot of the same realms as others would um, just following you know if it fits your macros and literally fitting everything that I could fit into my macros like pop-tarts hell yeah like anything you can get into my macros to fit them sure don't care um, but since then like through just through education through like self learning and and knowing what makes me feel good i 've definitely tried to hone in on more of a quality approach. Did you go through that same process yourself and and, and if you did um how did you i get how do you navigate that now with clients because you know they're fed is awesome, but i don 't I don't know what it 's like in California but it 's hard to necessarily get all the time so how do you navigate those that that balance of quality and quantity.
1: No, I mean, if you've ever heard uh, me and Jason, the the owner of the company go back and forth at NCI's, Mm -hmm. we both came from different ends of the spectrum where where Jason was definitely more eat more food, get it in because people are more adapted. I was more of the premise of, I think people are having more issues because they're they're nutrient depleted. We should get back to the basics of eating what comes out of the ground, not what comes out of a bag in a box. So that's where I always came from, and it, you know, I always have the phrase, you know, if, you're, if your grandma wouldn't know what's on the ingredient list or couldn't pronounce it, then you shouldn't be eating it. So that's kind of where I came from, and, and I actually evolved into understanding that, yeah, some, there are many situations where people do need to get more food in, and the quality of it should take uh, a back seat. But there's situations where it can go the exact opposite. So it's knowing where the client is or who you're trying to help, uh, where they're going and where they've been in terms of uh, defining that. And personally, I never went through it. I never had a phase where I just thought I could eat whatever I want, fit it into my my macros, and I'd be like, ah, everything's perfectly fine. Now, I've had times where I put my rules of what's good and, and what's bad on the shelf and enjoy food. Uh, And not worry about it, and it always, you know, there's benefits to doing that um, in terms of the positives of being in a social experience and just enjoying food, and then you
0: know, understanding the negatives that come along with it. You you can't do that forever. Absolutely, yeah, that's a really good point. When it comes to when it comes to the last factor of toxicity, what are the things that have the most toxicity, if you will, are like what are the things that people aren't noticing? Because I know there's, there's a ton you could go into, whether it's makeup products, you know, cleaning products, whatever. Where, where do you, I think, where do you go to first, I guess, with clients to re- help reduce uh, toxicity in their lives? Oh, the,
1: there's, there's internal and there's external toxicity. The, the biggest form of toxicity that people will get actually comes from inside their, in, from inside of them. The bacteria, when you have uh, bacterial overgrowths, when it dies, it actually produces toxins. And your liver, just like you have some toxicity that comes in from heavy metals or something from the outside, it has to f- uh, filter those toxins out. So handling the internal environment inside the gut is one of the biggest ways to reduce toxicity. And most people... Have no clue about that fact. They think, you know, toxicity, like, hey, you know, uh, not get some, some largemouth fish or try to clean, contain hygiene products or not drink out of plastics. But it's usually the biggest source is coming from in, inside them. Uh, now, when it comes to external toxicity, it's, you know, think of what you're putting in your body and where it's coming from and run through a list. And where are you getting exposure to the most type of chemicals? Now, if you're eating a great diet and you're, you're making all your food, even if it's not organic, um, you're going you're gonna to cut out a lot of that because of just processing. Um, but then you could take things one step further. So how I start is I usually go, okay, uh, I have people go organic on their foods. That's a huge source of reducing toxicity in the body. Next will be hygiene products going through the house and looking through anything that has the word fragrance or perfume in it and replacing it slowly. And, you know, I know people say, you're not gonna make a clean sweep of the entire house because you be throwing out a majority of the stuff in your house until people realize what's in it. But like one product a week. And when you run out, swap it out. You know, you're not dead at this point because of the toxicity you've been exposed to. Um, so, you know, a month, month more probably won't uh, hurt you in most regards. Then I go through uh, the kitchen, getting rid of plastics, plastic containers, plastic chopping blocks, plastic utensils, replacing it for things like bamboo and cast iron and ceramic. And these things take investment. So again, it's something you're working towards doing slowly. After that, you know, uh, probably in the main, right in the beginning between foods and organics, I'll, I'll, remove plastics from, from drinking as well. And just tell people to get, you know, stainless with Sia a glass. Uh, and then you need, know, for women, you can look into individual hygiene products from the toothpaste. So if you can go through the kitchen hygiene products and the quality of your food, those are some, those are the three biggest areas that you're going to be able to uh, reduce uh, external toxicity uh, from, from your
0: life. That's awesome. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of things that people can kind of take away from that. One of the thoughts, and you might want to just go over it quickly if you if you can, is is a lot of the things that I see in people's kitchens. Or the first thing I ask when we're talking about you know different sources of fat they eat or use or cook with um, is the oils they cook with. Um, how bad is things like vegetable or canola oils? Um, and obviously, I know that, know where you're going to go with it, but. Do p- should people stress about that when they go to restaurants? Because obviously, restaurants aren't well, most restaurants aren't cooking with things like canola oil or um, coconut oil, sorry, and avocado oil, or things that are you know expensive, better oil. So, what do we what do we do for that? So,
1: it, if it's in moderation, you're going out and there's not any health concerns. You're not on a you know a strict you know plan, and just enjoy it. But don't do it all the time don't make eating out a routine unless you know you're going somewhere that cooks with good, good, good food. I give a, I give a story and I always laugh about this is when I, when I did um, my first bodybuilding show uh, I got a cheat meal the day before the show to kind of fill you out Mm -hmm. fill all those, that muscle glycogen out. And I still had to have it kind of fit into macros. So I was going through online menus of um, like Denny's and places like uh, that where I could find food that I were open very early. And I was blown away that I think that there was a grand slam or one of the breakfasts that was just pretty much pancakes, syrup, uh, and some eggs and, and sausage or bacon it was almost 1400 calories <laughs> for a small plate of food. And I cook, I understand how much calories are in food. And you look at that, that meal for you know, two pieces of bacon, two pancakes, two eggs, some syrup and hash browns should be about 700 calories, 800 max. So I was just thinking to myself. I'm like, where are those 600 extra calories coming from that don't appear, that shouldn't should, shouldn't be on there? And it boils down to it's the oils and the butters that they cook things with. Um, the slab of butter that they put on every steak before they send it out at a steakhouse. Uh, you know, the the slab of butter they put on everything. So controlling it is it is is the biggest aspect of it. If you're not doing it that often and you want to enjoy it, don't worry about it. But when you're cooking at home, the quality of your oils makes a big difference because usually most vegetable oils that are in plastic little bottles, they have sun that gets through them and they become rancid or they're hydrogenated or they're just very, very low quality. Uh, canola oil, also canola is um, a genetically modified product, so there can be issues with that, and so is soy. So that adds another aspect to you know turning foods into frankenfoods so to speak and it just adds to the inflammatory count in the body because remember remember what we're trying to do in the body is that there's that thing called the omega six omega-3 ratio that omega-6 is inflammatory omega-3 is anti-inflammatory there needs to be this balance and when we're always getting all of our fats from omega-6 sources we're taking ourselves out of that balance and we're creating a pro-inflammatory state in the body And, you know, let's go back to what is the cause of every, almost every chronic disease in the world, it's inflammation. So that's what you should be mindful of and and knowing that inflammation is kind of like a silent killer. Like you don't know if you're inflamed. It's not like when you break a bone and all of a sudden everything's swollen and red and pain. Uh, There's systemic inflammation that you really don't feel uh, that you got to be mindful of.
0: Yeah, I think that you definitely hit the nail on the head there. And I, I talk a lot about that with uh, with clients and we just generally talking to people about nutrition. Um, when it comes to some take home things for people, when it comes to hormonal stuff, because you mentioned, I think off the hop or just before we got started that, you know, you work with people and, you know, they're, they're doing everything right with their diets and they're, they're not seeing results. What are some symptoms that people can kind of like listen to this, know, that maybe things are out of whack. They might want to get checked, like whether it be low estrogen, high estrogen, low test, high test, um, cortisol, really high, all these kinds of things or gut health, just being uh, impaired that, you know, they can start to questions and start to throw some questions out of like, Hey, maybe why, why isn't this working or, or what have you. So they can start to see kind of different results or just get the, just get the tests they need done and to see where they're at. When it
1: comes to testosterone, Males and females both need it, okay? Mm-hmm. Obviously, females just need smaller amounts of it. Some of the biggest symptoms that people will see from having low testosterone is inability to, to build muscle, even though they're exercising. Uh, midsection weight gain, lack of motivation to go to the gym. Not so much lack of uh, energy, just lack of drive. And then uh, sleeping issues is a big one, especially for females, and then very, very low libido. Uh, females in order to have a, you know, robust sex drive, they have to have an adequate amount of testosterone and some of the biggest factors that will decrease testosterone in both men and females is stress. Stress is the biggest one. Uh, excess body fat is the second. And then third is lack of sleep. So those are all three things that can be addressed with any good health coach, um, and plan when when working with someone, but they don't happen fast. Uh, they need to be addressed. When it comes to estrogen, um, if you know your guys more along the lines of if they're estrogen dominant, basically what happens is they're taking their body's taking the testosterone and converting it into estrogen through a prom- process called uh, aromatization. And when that happens, the telltale signs or things you can look at is that do you okay as a male feel like you have Do you have pecs muscle? that, you know, are rounded, that look like a, you know, the top of a circle, or do you have a point? And you look at kids these days and kids have breast tissue because of all the soy products and the processing. And men need to look at that as well. And if that you look at a, a male's body and, or you're, you're assessing yourself and you have a big belly, uh, and you have, uh, what it looks like can be resemble breast tissue. That's a sign that you might be estrogen dominant um and that you need some balancing or possibly even some anti-estrogen type of medication to get that in check for females uh the signs of being estrogen dominant are very heavy periods um painful breasts when the period does come lots of water retention um migraine headaches when uh when menstruation comes and you know all of the the typical pms type symptoms uh, are usually related to high levels of estrogen. Low levels of estrogen in males, it's usually not a problem. Uh, but if it gets too low, there can be things like osteoporosis and, and lack of libido and uh, lack of the ability to you know, maintain an erection. Uh, with females, it is more along the lines of very, very short periods, um, uh, depression, uh, and uh, lack of cycles altogether. So the typical cross female who has abs um, probably has very low estrogen because remember that's the main reproductive hormone for you know making babies for females and, and and having sex. It's what gives people you know females their sex drive as well in addition to testosterone. So if it's not there, all of that kind of goes bye bye. Um, thyroid, thyroid is definitely seen more in women than in males, but males will have issues with it. Uh, symptoms are being cold. Uh, all of a sudden, inability to keep weight off, even though at very, very low calories, um, thinning hair. Uh, and then the top third of the, um, uh, sorry, the bottom third of the eyebrow by kind of like the temple. Like so it's to be very, very thin in terms of uh, uh, hair quality. Um, and then, you know, cortisol, cortisol can be very high. If it's high, you're going to be more of the stressed person that's more anxious, having a hard time sleeping, uh, mind racing, so to speak, low cortisol will be, you know, very, very low levels of fatigue, uh, inability to, to go to the gym, super tired doing even the basic things like uh even you know you'll go to the grocery store and you'll 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 wait to find the closest spot possible instead of uh taking the the spot in the back that probably would have got you there first week just because you have to take a few less uh, steps. Uh injuries, GI problems. Be getting sick all the time, uh, like your your immune system's uh, very depressed, those are all signs of, of having low cortisol. And besides that, you know, you got thyroid, you have testosterone, you have estrogen, um, you have uh, cortisol. And then for females, a lot of times, uh, the lack of progesterone is the first thing that's going to contribute to menopausal, like or perimenopausal symptoms. that estrogen just... Kind of goes uh, as a free ride and, and starts fluctuating wildly when progesterone's not there to balance it, so the symptoms of that will be a regular period, uh, moodiness, kind of depression uh, and inability to lose weight
0: yeah, I think that like once again like similar to, to last year you you've kind of like gone over so many in in depth and you know topics we can spend an entire hour on by themselves um, really quickly so I appreciate that. One of the, the last questions I kind of uh, had for you was kind of in the reverse end of that. What do we, what do you generally do um, for people that are seeing, you know, hormonal issues? I, I mean, it's kind of, we've kind of glanced over in general, but I know removing stressors is, is the big thing you do, but like, yeah, tell me, I guess, where do people first address hormonal issues?
1: Uh, so with me, it's a little different, like depending on, on how strict they've been on their diet for a while, you might go to testing right away, but let's, let's take it from the perspective of a nutrition coach working with someone that doesn't have access to that, uh, or isn't willing to go get labs. And you always start with the basics, start with food. Okay. You look at seeing what they're eating. Are they getting enough fats in the diet? So remember fats are the, the raw material that the body needs to make hormones, Uh, are there enough color? Are there enough antioxidants? Uh, are there enough variety things that are, you know, have been the staple of the the diet for humans for, for a long period of time and things that aren't processed, like the, if it fit your macros, like, yeah, pop tarts are great to fit in your totals, but they're actually nutrient void. They have nothing, you know, they have macros, but they have very little, uh, uh, micronutrients and vitamins and minerals. So you need to consider that fact and also consider the fact of, Are they just getting enough nutrients on their own? So working on that is is step number one. Uh, Step number two is, are they over-exercising? Are they under-exercising? Are they getting 45 minutes of exercise but sitting on their ass the rest of the day? You know, that's not enough to do it for a lot of people. Sometimes you need more movement. The concepts of, you know, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Get people up. Get them moving more. Get them out in the sunlight. That's a big one. People just don't realize how important the sun is. Uh, And the third aspect is uh, sleep. So how are they sleeping? Like really start to to pinpoint it. Uh, Dive into it and say, do you feel rested when you wake up? Are you falling asleep Uh, uh, right away? Are you sleeping throughout the night? Are you waking up? And really work on a sleep routine. Sleep is, I don't care who you are. If you're not sleeping right, all your hormones are going to be a mess. And and the last aspect is, uh, you know, like possible, you know, supplementation. Are people getting the nutrients they need? You know, most people aren't eating fish all the time and a lot of them should not be eating fish all the time. So are you on things like omega-3s? Are you on things like vitamin C and D vitamins for your adrenals? Are you taking a good multivitamin? You know, if you're not getting the most immaculate diet, there's a very high chance you're going to need these things. So that's where I start. And you cover those bases and you see if that improves the situation. And sometimes if it does, and then you, you don't need to go any further and you keep working on the next goal with the client but if all of that is working perfect and you know they've done that for eight twelve weeks and they're just not seeing results sometimes you got to dig into the uh, uh the tool shed a little bit more and, and, and try some different things
0: yeah and get some get some testing done too like i know i've had clients taking getting the dutch test done and um it's one of the most comprehensive tests that i'm aware of anyways for a hormonal profile um only two two other questions for you travis um one like both of them they're questions i ask you know almost everyone so this is the refocus nutrition podcast and i named my my company nutrition company refocus nutrition because when i got into it i thought people were looking at you know going from one thing to the next, uh, one fad diet to the next, and I thought we just had to refocus on something that was uh, a more whole food-centered approach and was just like, was more manageable rather than trying to do a different approach every single week. So when it comes to hormones, gut health, diet, whatever it happens to be, what's one thing you think people um, from the general population should refocus themselves on to just pursue better health uh, and longevity? One thing that everyone needs to refocus on is being consistent in their life.
1: Everyone wants a magic bullet. Well, everyone wants a pill. Everyone wants a quick fix. They are, and and most are quick to abandon a protocol that makes sense. That's smart for protocols that do not make sense. Cutting out entire macronutrients, starving themselves, you know, over-exercising, uh, something along those lines that, you know, it just doesn't make sense. And think about it. If it makes sense, you know, uh, roll with it. So I think sticking with a routine that has some foundations behind it that you can maintain and giving it enough time to do its magic is something that everyone needs
0: to refocus their time on, especially when they're working towards fitness and nutrition goals. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you, you said it perfectly there. The only other question I had too, and this was like, it's kind of a morbid question i like to end with, but um, you kind of mentioned, you know, the way that your life path has changed in terms of, you know, wanting to help people and, and not just chasing money. What is it that, you know, you want your legacy to be, you know, when if you could look over your, your gravesite when you're, when your funeral is being had, what would you want the people that are there um, saying about you? I want to say, or I
1: would like people to say about me is that I help make a difference. Uh, my, you know, my claim to fame or my mission right now is I think the medical system is broken and people are just not getting the care that they need. And there's so many of them that could be helped with just the littlest aspects. I want to be that person that almost anyone can come to and I can help, help that person feel better and, and live their life, you know, to the fullest. If I can do that, then my days will be filled with smiles and work will not be work. And I'll leave this world a better place than when I entered it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're doing that with the amount of like the amount of work you're doing with NCI, with the coaching that you're doing in your own practice. And then um, still pursuing more education. Like you, you talked about the fact that you're pursuing like, which degree again are you, are you pursuing now that you're uh, back in California? Uh, it's a doctorate in clinical nutrition. So like, yeah, you're just, you're you're going further than, than you need to, right? Like it would be very easy for you to just work as a nutrition coach and, and kind of ride off into the sunset for now, but, um, you're going the extra mile to learn more, to help more people. So I think a lot of people, including myself, appreciate and see that, um, tell everyone where they can find you. I know you don't have a massive social, uh, social media presence, but, um, if they want to reach out to you somehow, how could they do it? Uh, So I'm reachable uh, on
1: uh, Instagram, Travis Zipper, T-R-A-V-I-S-Z-I-P-P-E-R, underscore I-N-3. Uh, I'll respond to all messages. And uh, I'm also on Nutritional Coaching Institute. Uh, I have a couple courses that uh, I've helped co-write and teach. There's a level one nutrition coaching. There's a level two that's coming out uh, in June. And then I teach the Hormone and Gut Health and Thyroid Health Masterclass all, all close, all kind of classes that are geared towards the nutrition coach and having the nutrition coach aspect, helping people with all those problems.
0: Yeah. And I can't wait to be taking some of those courses. Cause like, I think that the, the amount of knowledge you can bring to those, that education is, is phenomenal and can help a lot of people. Thanks so much for having, uh, for coming on again, Travis, and uh, I'm sure we're going to try to get you on talking about gut health and, and all of the rest of the things, uh, in a future episode somewhere down the line. Yeah, it was a pleasure, buddy. I always love these. These are great.